0: Today's episode is brought to you by Mud Drops Two Manicures located at 1083 Bedford Highway, Mud Wraps to Manicures is one of the leading spas in the HRM. Make sure to go to Mud Wraps to Manicures to pick up your Christmas gift this Christmas. You can get a gift card for maybe a massage, a toe massage, a foot massage, same thing, shoulder massage, arm massage, leg massage, or you might as well just get a full body massage before I name off all the parts here. Maybe you want to pick up some toenail polish, some nail polish. I think that's the same thing. Maybe you want to get a, a mud wrap for your loved one or a manicure, or a pedicure, doesn't really matter, Mudraps to Manicures has you covered, you can get anything that you need this Christmas to make your loved one feel great, feel fresh, feel happy, once again, that's Mudraps to Manicures, give them a call, 902-835-7375, and book your appointment today, all right, we are back, one of my favorite times of the day, doing the intro for the podcast. Once again, my name is Justin, or I shouldn't say once again. I don't think I've said my name yet, so this will be the first time I say my name. Justin Belanger. I am the person talking right now. I am the host of the High Button Podcast. I appreciate the fact that you join me here on the podcast. It's going to be a good one today. Our guest, his name is Matt Anthony. Matt has been on the show, I think, two times before. One of my favorite people to talk to, he is the coach over at New Bridge Academy, uh, the men's hockey team. He's always in the know-how or know-what. He's always in the know uh, for the young generation, up-and-coming hockey players that are thriving in this province, so I love talking to him about the talent that uh, this province uh, is carrying at the moment. Also, probably talk about the Christmas holidays, things that he's doing, things that uh he's looking forward to so it's going to be a good podcast high button you know what comes next all right we're going here matt thanks for joining the the podcast third time
1: third time third, third. time's a charm man
0: so i know we said we'd get you on when the year was over the year is over for you yeah but as we know hockey is a 24 7 thing it's year round it's always going so there's tons of things that we could talk about but first i do want to talk about your year at uh, newbridge academy how was it
1: uh well we're we're halfway through oh halfway through oh you're sorry when you told me the other day yeah um we're done for the first half my Um, mistake mistake. yeah no worries i you know we work a little different than your traditional prep school um where you know we're not a three sport school right you don't you don't play soccer in the in the fall hockey in the winter and then something else in the spring uh you know our guys are hockey year-round if they're playing oh yeah with us um but, yeah, no, the, the season's been good. Uh, I, I was excited going into the year, as we talked about. You know, I have a lot of veteran returning guys, guys that have been at the school for two, three, four years, yeah. uh, played together for a number of years. Um, yeah, I've got 11 grade 12s or 11 seniors, um, and then the rest are all grade eleven. So I've got a very old team, Yeah, uh, which is part of the setup we have uh, at Newbridge where we don't have, a you know, I know I've said it before. We don't have a top team or a second team. We, you know, it's it's based on age. Okay. Um, so yeah, my team's the the prep team is is what it's called. And uh, yeah, in our league in in Canada, we're we're sitting in first. So that's with um, like Ontario Hockey Academy, uh, uh, Hill Academy, CIH. Um, so yeah, all the school, all the all the Canadian sports schools from Ontario East. Uh, we have a league that we play in um so yeah i think we're like seven one and one in that league wow um yeah yeah we we had a we hosted our tournament here last uh, two weeks ago uh we had a good strong showing that was kind of a, a good way to go into the break um we played four or five times in the u.s already as well we play in a league down there so um very busy uh you know i know i'm i'm excited the boys are excited to have a few weeks off um but yeah, no. Overall, I've been, I've been, I would say it's probably been the most success we've had as I've had as a as a head coach at Newbridge, um, in terms of team success and and overall individual success so far. I mean, I've got half a dozen guys skating with their junior A teams or major junior teams right now, up con- because we we're, we're done school, so so they don't have their classes to worry about. So a lot of them have been practicing and, and a few of them have got in some games and stuff as affiliate players at the next level so
0: that's cool because in junior high if you're playing somewhere else you wouldn't be able to do that because you're signed to the rights of a team is that correct when you get called up to
1: yeah it, well it's just like any other midget team any major midget team okay. that that okay. a guy say bridgewater wants to call up a guy okay for a game uh they can as long as they they're on an affiliate card each junior a team i think is a lot five or six yeah. and major junior teams i think probably more than that yeah so um yeah, like last night, Sunday, Sunday afternoon in the Yarmouth-Grand Falls game, uh, I had a guy on each team play, playing up for the, yeah. as, as an AP, so it was pretty cool.
0: Is there anything that you noticed from Canadian hockey to American hockey? You just said you went down to the tournament in the States there. Is there anything that you noticed, maybe, maybe a difference from the scouting, maybe a difference from the actual kids' personalities, anything at all?
1: Uh, The the mindset is is definitely different uh, in the U.S. and, you know, over the past four-plus years that I've been going down there. Yeah. um, It's, you know, they're not in such a rush to get to junior uh, as as kids are here. I mean, you know, when we play, like, I couldn't wait to get to junior. I skipped my last year midget to play junior. Um, You know, I thought that was the be-all, end-all. And, like, you know, my team is... 70% 70% third year midget age kids and we're an 18U team but we go down to the states and everybody and we're the youngest team like everybody so like 18U in the US for this year they're all 2000 birthdays so okay. 18 year olds mm-hmm. are playing midget hockey yeah. or 18U hockey yeah. and uh, I find it's, it's it's a lot more physical um, it's a lot more running gun, physical rather than, um, structure in Canada. I, that's, that's kind of the biggest difference I find is okay. that, uh, the guys are, are big and athletic and strong. Yeah. Can they, you know, and obviously there's exceptions, but they can't necessarily, um, play a different system in the first period than the second period. And I, I feel like the Canadian teams in the midget levels here, mm. um, You know, coaches and players adjust to different teams. Mm. I find that everybody down there kind of plays a similar style.
0: That's interesting.
1: And, and you know what? The, the, the refereeing is, doesn't call it nearly as close. So, like, you know, it's, it's a physical war when we go down there and you play four games in three days, you know, two and a half days against, you know, and that's, they, they don't hold any prisoners either. Like the American kids, like they don't give a shit. Like they, um, because they don't, they don't have this, This thing in their head where where we do, where, you know, it's 15 year old, like that's your draft year, major junior. And if, you know, we know that there's plenty of success stories of guys that didn't get drafted and went on to do great things. Plenty. But in the U.S., they don't have a major junior draft, right? So they don't, they're not set on this 15, they're, they're all, they're all owed to get NCAA scholarships and they don't care if they get it at 14 or if they get it at 20 right you can get it at 14
0: well they've wow. changed
1: the rules on that like very very recently because yeah. there's been a lot of early commits yeah so the rule now is um you're not allowed to do an official campus visit like say I'm the coach of BU and and I'm recruiting you yeah. and you're only in grade 10 I can't start recruiting you until September 1st of your grade 11 year so how old would you be there? You'd be sixteen. 16. It doesn't matter how doesn't, old you. It, doesn't, it doesn't, matter. doesn't matter how old you are. Okay. You just need to be in Great grade eleven. 11. Um, that just came into effect. So a lot of guys, like all those guys that are commit, you know, that are committed going into the Q draft, like Josh Lawrence last year and Charlie Deroche, who are both playing for Saint John, and Nico Savoie, who played with us. Like those guys were all committed before they were in grade eleven. Yeah. So that they could kind of use that as leverage. I'm not saying they did or didn't, but it, you know in the Q draft mm. whereas now guys can't commit until post Q draft.
0: To be honest, the way you're the way you're describing it, it almost sounds like a better route to go the college route due to the fact that I think a lot of hockey players develop a little bit later. Not a little bit, but most hockey players develop later.
1: 100%, and, you know.
0: So how old are you when your first first year of college or you'd be 19, 18, 19? Yeah. And you hit the Q, you could be 16. Absolutely, right. that would be a right. a better route. And and, and, and no, right. you go, no you go. go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, there's a lot of social pressure in this, in this, uh, in this community to play junior, a high level of junior hockey. And if you have to have that pressure on you at the age of 15, 16, and when you're in the states, knowing that you're just allowed to wait, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What a what a load off your back.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And that and like that's kind of the little box we live in in Canada, where well, yeah. hockey's to be all end all, and I don't think that's ever going to change. But you know, I had this conversation with my old man the other day. Um, he's like, you know, why, why he's like, if I'm a top end, top end player, like I'm still going to go major junior. And I still feel that way. I still feel like it's, it's each individual's case by case basis. Mm -hmm. And, and whether or not you should play in the queue at 16 or try to hold on, like literally is a case by case, you know, like if you're a, if you're physically ready, physically mature, 16 year old who has the skills and the abilities, and it's going to be a first round pick in the NHL and you're physically ready to play major junior at 16, then, Great. But if you're a kid that's, um, like, look at Ethan Phillips. I don't, he's a local guy. Okay. Uh, he plays, uh, actually just left his prep school to, to jump up in the USHL for the rest of the year. Uh, he just committed to BU. Um, you know, very, very highly skilled player. Um, has been playing prep school the last couple of years in the US. He's a guy his, his parents it. They billet it. He sure, and, and, um, who, uh, who's the guy that just uh, the other Timo Meyer? No, not Timo. The Ehlers? other guy. Ehlers. Yeah. yeah. So they they were building all all these kids, you know, yeah. coming from coming away, up. and you know, the Mooseheads are right there in his backyard. He's got the best ones playing, and and the Moose wanted him to play, or we're certainly were pushing for him to yeah. play. And but you know he knows that he's going to be better off in the long run playing college, so he can keep developing physically you know he's 145 pounds or whatever or whatever he is and in college you're playing that 30 35 game schedule but you're you're lifting every day Mm -hmm. you're you're eating the right things every day you're in a very sheltered environment where you come out of college more prepared to play pro than if you if he had a you know so you're saying
0: so you're saying that he doesn't think he'll make the NHL right away. So you're saying, right. for his best interest, right. it's, it's smart to wait a couple years, right. go to BU in two years, right. and be in that. And, and he's going
1: to get drafted in the NHL this year. I, st- I, I yeah. you know, we played against his prep team. He played at Selects Academy. We played them earlier this year, and there's you know half a dozen NHL scouts at there watching a, a prep game. Yeah, uh, it, basically for him, and, and another guy on their team, and maybe one or two guys on our team, but you know. All eyes were on him, and he—he'll be a—he'll be a mid-round draft pick, I would say, yeah, this year. But he's another similar guy to Drake Batherson where Batherson's a little different because he never ended up on the college train, but he, he did bloom later mm-hmm. than than your typical. He wasn't ready to play major junior at sixteen. He was
0: eighteen when he started playing. 18 for and a half
1: like halfway through his eighteen year, right? Like he was playing junior A for his first half of his eighteen year
0: for for Valley, Valley
1: right? Wow. Like the kid played three years midget. Um, played his first half of the year junior a and then now he's like he's going to be a point of game guy in the nhl right but like that's similar to phillips he learned how to play as a smaller guy how to how to use that to his advantage and now he's physically capable well now it's it's laughing and i think you'll see um a guy like phil and that's that's the kind of difference between going major junior or going the ncaa and you know I'm not going to say I have the right answers because everybody's different. different yeah. Uh, but and that's what I do, with, or what we do with our guys, because uh, g- we do have some guys that are going through this. And there's there's some guys that you're going to have to keep working until you're 20 years old. And it's tough for 16 year olds that maybe you have been a- drafted in the queue, and you're a let's say you're an 11th round pick mm. in the queue, and you're a little bit undersized, and uh, it's tough to. And and they're saying, listen. You're coming to camp. We'll get you in an exhibition game, but you know, everybody knows now that you give up your college eligibility. What is it? Forty-eight hours. Forty-eight hours. Um, You can stay for longer, as long as you pay your own. You don't accept anything from them. Like you're staying in the hotel on your own dime.
0: No billets. No
1: billets. No team meals. That kind of thing. Okay. You can stay. Like I had a kid that stayed for in Bathurst for all of training camp, like three weeks i didn't know that yeah and he he stayed like his his parents went up with him and and they paid for the hotel and food everything food and everything and just because he wanted to keep his eligibility and the same thing um with with any of those kids like that college scholarship might not come right so like i'm not guaranteeing you that you're an 11th round pick in the queue Mm. you don't give up your eligibility i'm not saying that somebody you're that's going to turn into a scholarship because mm-hmm. it's not like some guys you had to make that decision you had to be prepared that that scholarship offer might not come at 17 it might not come at 18 might be at 20 you know you got to go play tier two junior NBC or on ontario or wherever mm. um and that's that's tough for uh, for a lot of kids i
0: remember that being a very frustrating moment in my life when i saw all my friends being drafted into the queue and then eventually playing in the queue and I'm still stuck playing minor midget. I remember that being in my bedroom just thinking, what the fuck's wrong with me? My life is over. Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And looking back on it, obviously now I laugh at it. But being at that age, that 16, 17, where you have to make that decision of where you need to go or if you can't make that jump, oh, that can, yeah. it can affect everything. It can affect your relationship with your friends. It can uh, affect your schooling. Your grades, relationships with your family. Because that's a conversation that you have to have with people that maybe I like you just said, I might have to move away to BC to play in a junior A league to maybe hopefully and jump then, into the WHL. Guaranteed. Exactly.
1: And that and, and, anyway. and it's even more difficult when when you know, you're up playing on a team where and it happens all over the place, you're playing on a team where there is a guy or two guys that are in that situation, right? That are that are getting their doors knocked down by Q-scots that are getting calls from ncaa coaches on the reg mm. and, and you know they're not trying to push push that on you but like you know you you're sitting there and you're thinking you know he's really good but i'm not that like he's not that much better than me mm. right like why is why is he getting it all this attention and i'm not so what's your answer to that so my answer is that you, you like everybody's got a different path and and that's that's it like it, and that was part of my recruiting pitch, part of my recruiting pitch to a lot of guys that I. have And again, my team this year is mostly retention guys that have been here and and have trusted in the process and, and are stay, sticking it out for a reason. But the new guys I brought in, um, you know, high end like I brought in a couple high end kids from Quebec, mid triple a couple kids out of mid a here, and and just you know, like yeah, we have one of these kids that a uh, you know we call blue chip blue chip prospect that people are coming to watch
0: you got like random fans coming like not family yeah, members like,
1: yeah but just like scouts like we're playing in the in in the backwoods like we're playing in the middle of nowhere at 8 30 on a saturday night in this little shit boston rink yeah against a crap not a crap team but like not a team with with anybody no and, blue chips right it, and we were out of the tournament so this was kind of like a rele- relegation game that we were playing at a different rink, mm. and we've still got four USHL scouts and a couple college scouts in the stands watching this game because of one of the players we've we've got, yeah, right. So, but for me, like my answer to these other kids is they're coming to watch him, sure, but they're at the game. They're not closing their eyes when he's not on the ice, right? They're watching. So so take advantage of that and and get get noticed then.
0: That's Marty St. Louis' story. I'm pretty right. sure they went to go see someone else play. Hundred percent. He was playing. This little guy just skating out on the ice ended up dominating the entire game. Next thing you know, draft. No, he wasn't even drafted. Anyways, everyone knows his story. Yes.
1: Yeah. Same with like Pavel Datsuk was the same way. Like, it, it, yeah. you know, like it just like it happens all everywhere. Just, happens yes. everywhere, right? Like, Absolutely. Guys, y- y- go to you go to a game to watch one guy, doesn't mean you can't go away thinking of more than you know. Like, hey, that guy's pretty good too. Right. So just because you're the guy that you're not the guy that they came to watch doesn't mean you're not the guy they can be talking about when you leave. Yeah. Well yeah. said. Yeah. And um, and yeah, it's but like, again, it's it's a it's a process. It's tough on the kids and especially when you're in grade 10, 11 and you're trying to balance school and we do have a rigorous, you know, academic schedule. Um you know, especially when you first come, it's, it's a very difficult adjustment. Mm. Um, and, and you're, and, and you are one of these guys and you're struggling with the, should I, should I go to the queue? Should I go to college? And you're one of these guys that those are literally the, you know, yeah. there, those yeah. are the options. And I, you know, I've gone through it with a couple of players I've coached in the past and, and this what's right for one guy might not necessarily be what's right for the other guy. Right. Mm. Like, like a guy, like you know, we were talking about a little bit before we came on. And a guy like Jared McIsaac, like
0: congratulations, first of all, Jared. Yeah, for listening.
1: Big shout out, big shout out to to J Rock. Um, <laughs> that, that's big. Eighteen year old making, you know, making it as an underager. but he, you know, he's a guy that, like, obviously when he was 15, 16 years old, he could have went to pretty much any university he wanted to go to in the U.S., mm. right? But the situation presented itself. In Halifax, where you could play in a top-notch organization, you could play at home. You, you know, he's coming in on a sort of a rebuild, and you know they're building for this Mem Cup, Mem Cup, which actually ended up happening. And, and he's the centerpiece, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, if last year is his draft, is his Q draft year, and Halifax is already building for this Mem Cup, and and they've already got, and and you know they've got a guy like Jared McIsaac.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: who who's there maybe it's not the best situation for him to come in to and play as a f- fourth or fifth defenseman at 16 and you know maybe it is better for him to to go yeah. play in the USHL and which is what Shane Bowers did yeah. right another guy on the on the on the world junior team
0: congratulations to Shane
1: right so he, there's there's your prime example there's two guys that are you know they both played Canada games together Shane's a year older than Jared but two very separate routes you know they're both taken in the top 35 in the NHL draft same destination different same, route same destination different route yeah. exactly
0: um, you said you'd coached Jared uh, before what was he like uh, uh, to coach and you said you were talking to him the other day what were you guys talking about
1: uh, I, I just sent him a quick text there after uh, i was i was kind of bob started a tweet note i don't know if you were following it but i kind of just no. caught twitter right at the right time and it was kind of like one by one bob mckenzie was tweet note who who had been cut oh, okay. from team canada so they started with the goalie and then was going through the D. And uh, I saw P.O. Joseph got cut, uh, the captain of the island, Charlottetown. Yep. He got he got cut, and I was like, that's... He's a very good defenseman. He's very good, right? And I was like, that, that they only have one cut to make after that. So I'm like kind of hanging on the edge of my seat. I'm like, fuck, he, he, might, he might make it. So anyway, uh, Bob tweeted out that the defensemen were picked, and, and Jared was one of them. So... Um, you know, just send him a, a text. I see him uh, probably once once a week. Uh, just because they, they like we share the practice facility with them, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, we we stay in touch pretty well through that. Like, see, him. that's nice. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. And yeah. and we were he, you know, he was um, when Danny and I, so Danny McKinnon, who's now with the Pittsburgh yeah. organization, uh, Jared got exceptional status. To play major midget, I didn't know that. Right, so he was a bantam. He got exceptional status uh, in Pee Wee to play bantam underage. So he played his two years major bantam, but one as a second year Pee Wee. and he was he was clearly Just the best one of defense, players. You know, uh, like he was best defenseman in the major bantam league. Yeah, and not, he wasn't even close supposed to be in that league, right? Like, so um, once he got granted exceptional status, he was allowed to pick. Any of the three city teams to play for. Okay. Um, so again, he he had his option. You know, I know Halifax and Dartmouth. Uh, we're both talking to the family. Uh, Danny and I. Um, you know, and I just cu- jumped over from Dartmouth to Cole Harbour at the time, so I was still kind of. We first thing we did as a as kind of a coaching tandem was was put this pitch together for for Jared and the McCausick family, and I kind of knew him a little bit because. Um, Actually worked with his uncle John. Is John's a ref in the NHL now? I don't know if you knew no, that. No, I did not know that. So Jared's that. uncle John refs. Yeah, he he had the refs or lines. Refs. Wow. Yeah, yeah he had he had, he he gets some big games. Like That's he, sick. yeah, he's got the Saturday night games pretty pretty often and stuff. So uh, he's a go- he, he's a golf pro. Yeah, like that was kind of his gig. Golf pro in the summer. Ref. What a life. Yeah. So uh, obviously he doesn't do the golf thing anymore. But yeah. when I was working at Penn Hills, he was one of the assistant pros there. So. Yeah. I knew I knew the McIsaac's a little bit uh, from then, so that was kind of uh, an in. And then, uh, yeah, Danny and I went and and gave our pitch and sat in their living room for a couple hours. And um, the next thing, you know, we we were leaving and they came out to the out of the front door and said, "Uh, "We don't we don't need to wait anymore. We're we're gonna play with you guys." And um, that that must be cool. It was a cool experience. It was was really cool. Looking at where he's at now, especially. 100%. Knowing that you helped that process get well, I didn't, get, you know, you well, you did a little, yeah, for sure. I mean, but he, he's one of these kids that right from the beginning, he was a professional, right? Like, he he knew the right things to say, he knew like he kept what he needed to keep close and close, he said what he needed to say. Like, he wasn't one of these kids, like, he's not the kid that is getting all these calls from these colleges and stuff and then going and telling his buddies. You know, like, he's not like, haha, yeah, like, tweet note, like, yeah, I got a call from BU today. He's keeping it to himself. Right, because he doesn't give a shit about the, I know, the I fame, it, what it, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I know so, the guy, the type of guy you're talking right, about. Right, so that's what I found with Jared, and, and I was still a young coach at the time, too. That was five, six years ago. Uh, five, yeah, he was an underager, so he's 18. Yeah, four or five years ago. and um, He's 18 right now? Yeah, he'll turn nineteen. He's a two thousand, so okay. he'll turn. Yeah, he turned in nineteen. Yep. Um, I think he's January. I think he's January, but, um, yeah. And he, he was great that year. I mean, we had a good team. He was D uh, partners with a kid named Connor Welsh, uh, part of the Welsh family, the whole Welsh crew. Yep. Um, so Connor <laughs> plays for Dowell now. Uh, he played the last couple of years in the BCHL. Um,
0: that family just keeps getting bigger. I uh, don't know how many there are. Yeah, now. so
1: so he he be first cousins with he, first cousins with Matt. Okay, and uh, Nick, and then there I know Connor's got a little brother too. That's a pretty good player. And there's another one of Matt's little brothers that's a good. Play- there's a lot of good. There's Welsh a lot players, of players. Yeah. <laughs> so Connor Connor was a third year kid. Yeah. Um. So he was you know three three full years three plus years older than Jared, and they were playing together. And you know Connor is probably. Top two or three kids I've ever coached in terms of personality and oh, leadership, wow. and um, he really helped. I know him and Jared got along really well, and mm. and you could tell like he, he was a seventeen year old going on thirty seven, right? Like he he was wise beyond his That's years. That's a rare and, personality, and I thought that he was every bit as important to Jared's development that year mm. as you know myself or Danny or anybody else could have been. I thought I think that that Connor, um, you know recognized what needed to be done and and you know yeah helped them out but it, jerry, right from day you could tell jerry was a, a stud and i know that i i know for a fact there's going to be teams that are that end up pissed that they didn't get him that they, they passed over on him in the first round
0: yeah um well i think that says something about detroit scouting staff man they are amazing at what they do if you think about it man. like but, even though they're in the dumps right now not really kind of are, are they yeah, a little yeah. bit, a
1: little bit, but... Rebuilding. Yeah. Like, look at the three... The th- they had three picks in the first 35 last year. They got Zadina, McIsaac, and Valeno. Yeah. So, uh, like, Joe Valeno is, is a stud. I don't know him as a player. He's a freaking stud. Is he? Like, he's... He's he's he's, he's like a Sean Couturier-type player. Like, he doesn't...
0: Like, third-line, center, but, but, all But,
1: like, still puts up 75 points. Wow. Like, you know? like yeah. He just does it quietly.
0: And that's what Detroit, I think, is known for. There's no All Stars on Detroit ever. Yeah. There is, but they all play as a unit. I heard a cool story today by Luke Robotai back because he played uh, for Detroit back in 2002 when they won the cup. And he was telling a story about the organization. And it was Elliot Freeman that was interviewing him. Or is that his name? Elliot Freeman? Elliot Freeman was interviewing him. He was like, What does it take to win a Stanley Cup? And he goes, It takes everyone. And then he elaborated. And he was like, It takes everyone, but it takes everyone from the person that's selling season tickets up in the head office in Detroit. It takes the person that's putting my protein powder in my stall. It takes everyone, the the, the masseuse. Everyone has one goal, and that one goal is a Stanley Cup. So he said what Detroit, the organization they would do to remind you the first day he got to Detroit, the trainer came up to him. Hey, Luke, anything I can get for you? Do you, you know? Do you need anything? And he's like, No, like everything's pretty good. Like your gym looks good. I, I got everything in my stall. And he's like, Anything at all? Just like one thing. And he goes, Yeah, like I need a, a stretch band just for for my leg or something. And he goes, All right, perfect. I'll will get it. Uh, I'll get it for you. It'll be there tomorrow. And he's like, Oh no, like I can pick it up at the local store. No worries. And he goes, No, no, no. We'll we'll get it for you. We're here. We're we're here for you. One hundred percent. And he's like, all right, sure, thanks, appreciate it. And he goes, no worries, we're here so you can win us a Stanley Cup. So at the end of the sentence, the guy said, you're here so you can win us a Stanley Cup. But that was the end of a sentence for four or five people throughout the year. The masseuse said that, you know, oh, my, my leg's tight, can you fix it? Yeah, no worries, I'll do that for you. Like, we're here so you can win the Stanley Cup. And everyone in that Detroit organization was there for one goal, to win a Stanley Cup. And yeah. it took everyone, the whole team, everything. It was a cool, cool story from the moment he got there and he's put it also that he played for he played for la a couple other organizations and he said that's just the biggest difference from any other organization to detroit winning mentality the winning mentality yeah anything i'll get you something you know why because you're here to win us a stanley cup yeah from the water boy to the guy massaging your leg anything pretty cool
1: yeah yeah that's neat and that's what that's what it takes to instill championship culture for sure
0: um, I want to talk about the NHL a little bit, the Nylander things over. Contra- it's, contracts in the NHL have been a huge talk recently. It's almost becoming like the NBA in a sense due to the fact that I think they're making more money. Yeah. You know, They're saying McDavid should be making 20 mil, not 12. He, the things that that guy's doing on the ice is incredible. And what he's doing for the NHL in general is absolutely incredible. Uh, what do you think about it? You know, Mat- Matthews is coming up. Uh, Marner's coming up with their contracts how do you feel about uh the big money being dished out do they deserve it a lot of people think that these young kids are being snobs there's there's so many different sides that you that you could look at this i don't know just i'd like your opinion on it if you have one
1: yeah absolutely i think it it it's the same it's the same thing on a much bigger scale as as what people you know will say about these kids that are have the option between NCAA and the Q like mm. and they're and maybe they're leveraging one to get a better situation than the other or, or maybe they're not whatever it's the same thing at the professional level like you know just because they're playing hockey doesn't mean they don't deserve to get yeah. what they due. yeah and you're telling me that MLSE you know and I get that the cap is is an issue and for sure but everybody's the from my in my opinion you know, why this Lander thing drug on so long is because he's not an idiot. No. And and he knows he's getting paid one way or the other, and he knows that the cap is going to increase. And he's on a bad year for contract renewal, mm-hmm. and the new CBA is coming up, and he knows the, cal- the, the cap floor is going to keep rising, and that if he signs for six and a half mil, which, you know, everybody's comparing it to Pasternak, and that, you know, that's what he should be paid, or what Tri- he should be paid. Michael. Right, yeah. Yeah, when they signed those contracts three years ago, that yeah. made sense. But, you know, this cap keeps going up every year. It's not going down. No. Right? So why would I take six and a half when, you know, in two years I could be getting eight, which would be six and a half right now? Yeah. So, I, you know, and that's where you see the weird contract, the weird, you know, how he's getting the big lump sum. He's getting like 12 mil or whatever right away yeah. they found a way because their 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 cap is such a way right now that they can afford to pay them a 10 and a half cap hit mm-hmm. this year and then it goes down and down so I, well i think most people that
0: watch the game of hockey are fans they don't really yeah. look at the business aspect of it At least when I do, like, I I understand the business aspect of it, but I'm a fan of it. And I think when there's people that are upset, like, oh, you should just play Toronto Maple Leafs. It's almost like they're putting themselves in their skates and Nylander skates. Like, oh, I'd play for 10, I'd play for free. You know, but you have to understand that there's a business aspect of it, especially when you have a father that played in the NHL for as many years as he did in your ear, also with his agent. Yeah. So many different sides coming at it. And yeah, Yeah.
1: like, you want to get paid? 100%. 100%. You're
0: not going to sit there and tell me, I know Crosby did it. He took a pay cut. Yeah. But like you just said, cap's going up. You got to get paid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You got to get paid. And I think, I think his dad, it's a little bit of a unique situation. I think he probably met, left some money on the table that he looking back and that's kind of what prepared them for, you know, like yeah, for this, like, you know, if I had a waited, then I could have, Made more. I don't know. I don't know that. But I. I don't mind him I don't mind the holdout. I don't think any of his teammates minded. I think. I think they would have done the same thing if they were in that situation. Yeah.
0: Um. So I. Well, you know. So what's the situation now with Marner? Marner and Matthews are they allowed to sign technically today if they want? Yep.
1: Yeah, as so, far as I know. Yeah. So
0: negotiations must be going on right now. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. Do you, th-
0: do you think Matthews will take a pay cut in order to give Marner what, what he wants? Because if you think about it, Matthews could get what McDavid's getting 12 point something.
1: Yeah. No? I, yeah. I, I think he, yeah, probably. In Toronto, maybe not. Uh, right now, I mean, Tavares no. is on the books for a long time. That's true, Tavares. you right. Morgan Riley's going to be due for a pretty good pay bump. Um, pay bump. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, it all depends on what the what the what the cap floor does, and and that's that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out how much are we going to be allowed to spend in twenty nineteen. How much are we going to be allowed to spend in twenty twenty three? Yeah, like what you know, and and that's why there's eight million people on on payroll for NHL teams to to try to figure that out, right? So, but yeah, I don't I don't blame the guys for trying to get paid. That's for sure
0: no i don't either i kind of like the business aspect of it more 100%. the more i do this uh, podcast and media side of it the more i look into it and try to learn a little bit myself it's kind of interesting stuff i like that uh, the Dubis guy i yeah. did a lot of research on him back when he was in uh, the Sault saint marie and the analytics side of him yeah have you, you obviously you've seen the movie Moneyball. ball yeah, oh yeah i i kind of s- picture him as uh jonah hill for yeah for the can- for the can for the excuse me the hockey side yeah it'd be cool if they made a movie on him like Doing what he did, yeah. Well, not doing what he did. I guess he's still doing it, but still, the guy. No, sorry, you go. Johnny
1: Chaka is the same thing, right? Who? John Chaka. The, the guy GM, in Chicago. No, he's in uh, Arizona.
0: Who's a, the he GM? He's a GM. How of old Arizona,
1: is he? Uh, our age. Oh fuck! 29, 30. No. Um, he played in the MJ. Played for Woodstock. What? Yeah. So, I got
0: see. Okay. Keep yeah.
1: So so he he played for Woodstock. Um, that would have been the year before you played. It was my seventeen year. He was playing for Woodstock, and he was, like, a point-of-game guy. Um, and then he, he hurt himself. I don't know if he, he hurt his back. He, he had a scholarship to, like, Yale or Dartmouth or, like, a D1, like, an Ivy League school. And uh, Smart, a so smart guy. Super smart guy. Anyway, messed up his back, couldn't play hockey anymore at, like, 17, 18. Um, Blessing in disguise, though, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, and him and his sister and his Maybe his two sisters him and his sister I know for sure. I don't know if how many other people in the family ran on it. They started he ended up going to Queens. Yeah.
0: Um, did he play hockey there? No. Or he no,
1: no, just just business. Just business. Yeah. And um, they started an analytics company. Um sport analytics? Yeah, like hockey analytics. Um, wow. Out of their basement, I think. I, you know, I,
0: hey man, that's how all great things start out of their right? basement. I'm telling right? you.
1: So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they started the analytics company, and then he got on as an assistant GM when he was like 24, 25, and then.
0: Talk about a maturity aspect that yeah. you have to
1: have. and now I think he's in his fourth year right now as the GM in, in Arizona. So I wanted to talk about the coach in Chicago. I think he's 29, 30 years he's old. He's
0: 30, 33. 33? Yeah. Youngest coach in NHL history. I don't know how much longer he's going to last. What do they lose? Eight in a row? Nine yeah, in a row? Eight, eight,
1: yeah, maybe nine But now. they
0: came out, Bowman came out and said they're committed to him. Yeah.
1: But eight in a
0: row, first eight it, games?
1: It, it, yeah, but I... It,
0: how do you how do you handle a room as a 33-year-old managing?
1: I mean, I, I, I don't... I cannot imagine that guy walking in there on his first day, right? Like think being a coach and and, and yeah, he played a little bit in the NHL and he's coached 4 years professionally in Sweden um, before this. And but you're coming in replacing a three-time Stanley Cup winner, a, a, an absolute hero in the city of Chicago. Guys that John, Johnny Taves and and Seabrook and Keith and Kane, like these guys have been with him for 12 years, like You know, like their their kids, their kids have grown up around him. Like he's, you know, like, and now this young guy that's never coached in the NHL before comes in and and you're just expected to, to buy into what he's saying right away. It's tough. You got to be like, you, you could be the best, absolute best communicator, best motivator, best whatever in the world, but that's a real tough act to follow in Chicago
0: how do you get your players to react to what you're saying? Because there's, especially at the NHL, I'll, I'll ask for your example first of all. But in the NHL, when you're getting guys that are paid millions and millions of dollars, and you ask them to go balls to the wall, block a shot, do the right, all the little things, and they're not responding due to the fact that they're not a fan of you. Apparently, Tortorella had this problem in the past with New York. Um, how how do you get your players to respond, especially at
1: that level? Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's different for like. It's like, I, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a, a teacher, right? Like, you've had good teachers, you've had you, good teachers for you might not be a good teacher for the kid beside you, and, and it's a very similar in coaching. Like, what works for one coach, if another coach tried that, then he just looks fake doing it. Like, if I go in, a, if I, like, I lose my mind or, you know, yell or whatever very, very rarely, right? Because I know that if I go in and, and start You know, cursing up and down the wall and calling guys out, guys aren't going to respond to that. With me, yeah. But some some coaches, they have that presence. They have that that hardness about them. That that's how guys respond to them. And guys will go through a wall for that guy with that way. But for me, like I'm more about relationship building, right? So it's about knowing yourself. It's it's about trust. And trust, like having, like you know. I take pride in knowing the, f- like, I don't know every detail about my players' lives, but I got a good idea what's going on with them, what could it be affecting their play, that kind of thing. Just enough to, to, you know, when something's wrong, they trust me to speak to me. So you think right? showing an interest. Right, I think. But I, I think that's very opposite of what other people do to get results, right? Some guys won't talk to their players at all, mm. right? And then it's kind of this, like, playing scared and and that's kind of where torts is in some places it works, some places it doesn't.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So I think, I think it's very, very different for, for each coach. Um, and especially guys that, and I can't, I can't imagine at the NHL level, but if you're coaching in the NHL and you never played in the NHL, mm. you gotta be real freaking good at something else, mm. right? Like John Cooper and Tampa mm. never played a game of hockey after high school, but he's coaching one of the top, the top team in the NHL right now. Mm with some of the best players of this generation Hmm. how does he get those guys to respond game in game out it's his communication skills it's his leadership skills that kind of thing whereas you know guys that have come in like and now look at another example phil housley you know phil housley's got buffalo turned around and and he's one of the best defensemen that's ever played the game Mm -hmm. right but he's taking that same approach i you know he's not a a hard ass. He's not that. He's a he's a relationship guy. He's a communication communication guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'd never if you stood him and him and uh, John Cooper together and watched them coach, you'd never say, "Wow, Phil Housley, that guy played fifteen hundred games in the NHL. That guy played none." Right? They're both guiding their NHL teams yeah. in similar paths. Yeah.
0: Right. They say that about Dan Bylsma. He was a great communicator. The thing that. I'll say that made me uh, respect my coach and and got me to take my game to another level was whenever a coach showed me something that I didn't know about the game of hockey uh the game of hockey and yeah. it worked. Uh, yeah. Troy Ryan was one of those biggest uh, mentors in my my hockey career. I'd say when coming from a midget player, turning me into a junior player and showing me how the junior game work and how you know how I could be successful when I came in, I wasn't a physical guy. I still really never developed into a physical player and he was able to see that. And he was able to teach me and almost adapt my game to become, you know, a 40 girl scorer and junior. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that to me is what makes me react to a coach and go, okay, coach, uh, I'm minus four tonight. What do you need me to fucking do in order for us to win this game? Yep. And there were situations where I'd go into Miramichi on the fourth line, even though I'm leading the team in scoring. And he'd be like, you better fucking do something tonight. And I'm not going to sit there and go, what? fuck off. No, yeah. you, what are you talking about? I just said, pulled my socks up and went, yeah, absolutely. What do you need me to do? So I went out there. We fought. Went out there, blocked shots. Went out there, did whatever I could in order to win. So I think that can relate at the NHL level as well. Oh, for sure. If you're a junior player going into the NHL, you have no idea how to play the NHL game. Coach pulls you aside and says, listen, I'm going to put you under my wing. Here's what I'm going to do for you. And the next thing you know, the kid, you know, scores 15 goals in the NHL. 100% you're going to listen to that coach. Yeah. What do you need me to do for you?
1: And it's it's knowing the moments when to when to do things like yeah. that, like for sure. And I think you hit the nail on the head about when things go right. Uh, it doesn't have to happen very much or very often, but oh. when, they do, when it does, like, you know, we work on a face-off play and we run it the next game and it works and we score a goal That's on it. It's funny you bring that up. Right. That, or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Or like, I remember uh, this happened last year. This was kind of the buy-in part for, for last year was we were down three nothing or four nothing in the second period um, face off in the other team's end uh, like seven seconds left on the clock. I pulled a goalie. Yeah. Go, seven seconds. I could have won it, shot it, whatever. The boys are like, what? what are you talking about? I'm like, yep. Yeah pulling them run the rim play so anyway we we score on it right four one we end up coming back winning the game like seven six or something right and that was kind of like a defining moment where the boys kind of like looked at me and they're like are you crazy and then it works yeah and then but you know you had to be careful with that because if you try too much then it doesn't work
0: the guys just think <clears> you're an idiot
1: right and and the the big thing is too that i find that that i need that i do that um gets guys to buy in is that I let them make mistakes. I let them try crazy shit. Yeah. Right. Like if you want to, like, if you want to try the Kucherov no move on a breakaway in a game, <laughs> be my guest. Right. Because if that if that works, that electrifies the entire team. Yeah. It, everybody's going. If it doesn't, you know, you look like the idiot, not me. No. I'm but <laughs> but uh, like, it, it, it's still gonna be fun at the yeah. end of the day. And and you know like this year. We've instilled a different system than what I've ran in the past. Um, kind of, a, you know, a mod like a one-three-one t- sort of trap type thing. But I'm, you know, boys, this isn't a trap to play passive, right? This isn't. This is to force other teams. To make, to, to make mistakes and we're going to capitalize because we're so quick in transition that as soon as we transition and turn that puck over mm. we're going to create offense off that and then that's when you have your fun like we're not just chasing them around we're gonna we're gonna just let them come to us mm. because nobody wants to just stand behind their net you know we watched that video of the the when remember when Tampa was doing it to Philly like when Guy Boucher was in <laughs> four or five years ago yeah it was longer than that like Pronger was playing and and Six like years, Philly wouldn't year move year the I puck remember. wouldn't move the puck it was a big shit we watched that for a couple days in a row. I was like, but I'm like, at at our level, guys aren't going to do that. Guys aren't going to not move the puck. They're going to try to force something. Yeah. They're going to wait two or three seconds. They're going to, you know, the ADD is going to kick in and they're going to try to force something. And then that's when we're going to pounce.
0: Can I tell you a funny story about that? When that happened, I was playing junior a and we had a game and I think it was Bridgewater, Bridgewater or Picto. Anyways, Picto, let's say it was Picto. They were playing the trap against us. Dylan King came around the net just waited. He did exactly what Tampa did. We just waited. It's funny how the NHL has an effect on hockey as a yeah. culture in general. Just because that happened 2 3 days ago, Kinger saw that. And was like, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm yeah. not I'm not forcing the play. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. And, I remember and, that.
1: And and Kinger's one of the rare examples of a kid that's smart enough to figure that out. Yeah. Right? Like very rare. like he's a very very intelligent one of the smartest hockey, hockey, hockey IQ players i Like with. 100%. Like that's he, if yeah. you had a said we had a guy on that team that stopped and did that, like, Dylan yeah. King's my number one pick every day of the week, right? Yeah. Like, those guys are rare, but... Um, and then, you know, the, Mo- the Moose... I went into my first Moose game last weekend, and uh, they were playing Bathurst, and uh, they did the same thing. They just trapped they? it. They just trapped it. And I'm like, they're they're playing the worst team in the league. Yeah. They're not worried about them. Like, they're, they're doing it because... They're ca- they're just going to capitalize on all the t- these turnovers. They don't need to force anything. Hockey's not a complicated game. It's not, and it's such a copycat copycat game. Like,
0: oh yeah, you know, be, that's no, that's
1: no, no coaches are reinventing the wheel, right? It's it, it,
0: <laughs> it's it's true.
1: It's about using the right things at the right time and and find and making sure guys buy in because at the end of the day, coaches don't win hockey games. Yeah, right. The players win the hockey games.
0: Um, speaking of a team that's buying in, is Rouen. Leading the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Guess who's coming on the podcast tomorrow? Heinem? Yeah, old him. What's he like as a player? Um, I gotta do my research. I know he's good.
1: He's 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 um he's a good middle six player. Okay. Like he's he can he, he's good offensively. Yeah. He's, he's good defensively. He's fa- physical.
0: Responsible. Responsible.
1: Like. Um, he's a good kid. Uh, really good. Really nice guy. Um, actually, his so when I was doing my BEd. Uh, his grandmother was my like supervisor. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was my, my education supervisor. So I, I got to know her a little bit and then I taught his sister who's also, a, his sister's a good hockey player too. Okay. Uh, she plays major midget for the Penguins, I think. Anyway. Good,
0: good to know. I'll bring that up to Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, I got to know Hanum a little bit. Um, he, he came out for a few of the skates that I ran, uh, in the off season. Did he? Um, yeah, he's buddies with like uh Greener and those guys and Oh, is he? Okay. Um no, he's he's a good player. He he'll be, you know he, that's the he's a he's a forty, fifty point guy, a major junior that's responsible on both sides of the puck and that'll be
0: huge for him if they if they win the Q League this year, yeah. come to the Mem Cup in his own backyard. Yeah, that'd be holy sick. holy shit, he'd be pumped.
1: Yeah, the 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 Q draft or the trade period just opened yesterday too few moves. Wait, say that again? The Q uh, trade period just opened up yesterday. Oh,
0: opened up. I thought you said it was over. No, no, it opened up yesterday. Yeah, Drover went to St. John. John. Yeah. St.
1: John. Um. No allowing. Uh, got traded. Have the Mooseheads made any trades yet? Not yet. But not they're going yet. to. They have to. I would assume. They have yeah. to. I don't know. I don't know who... Wh- you what, don't know who's... Like, I don't know. There's not much available. Like, there's six teams, seven teams, eight teams that all... Th- think they've got a shot at it probably like Rouen, halifax cape breton Moncton, drummondville drummondville uh ramuski um and charlottetown there's seven teams right there that you know
0: yeah but there's no like team at the bottom of the the bottom of the pile that has an all-star a well, blue chip. Th-
1: right they're st john st john and Bathurst. Bathurst traded their theirs yesterday ethan crossman no no knock on ethan crossman he's a good player with a Mem Cup championship, but you know he's got 15 points this year, and he just got two firsts and a second. So if that's the asking price for Ethan Crossman, like I'd well, hate, I'd you know. hate to see what the asking price is for Noah Dobson, right? Like that's got to be insane. And Shikudami, like I think we talked about this last time, because Dobson's already traded. Like Shakudami has his rights. So whatever Shakurmi yeah. gets out of the deal, they're going to get it, not Bathers. But
0: I'm going to say this though: the Mooseheads are notorious for making those big trades. For remember the Marchand thing? How many years ago was that? Now, yeah, they traded a lot for him.
1: Oh seven, oh eight, didn't work out real well. Yeah, well,
0: who knows? Maybe they learned from their mistakes. But I'm 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 pretty sure Bobby wants to win another Mem Cup. What
1: what did, what they who did they trade for when they won the Mem Cup at the deadline? That was a big over the. Over uh, our
0: our good friend. Uh, Stephen McCauley. Steve Macaulay. Steve Macaulay, right? And, and on the, he's on the head of the Metro Center now, and he? and on the team bus. Yeah, <laughs> I, I pulled up to uh, a red light the other day. I looked to my right, and it was Macaulay kissing the cup. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: hilarious. But like a guy like a player like him, right? So maybe
0: you don't want an All Star,
1: right? That's what I'm saying. You want? You need, I think what they need is is.
0: That solid put out on the PK, that put out. Yeah. You got to kill this last two minutes but type then, thing. But
1: then I think I'm like, they they have those guys already. Like you know, they made those trades for those type of guys already. Like Jordan Meyer and Sam Aslan, and like in mm. you know they've got they've got the best D in the league already. And do you really want to? And like, they
0: got the uh, they got Baron as well. Baron's no. <laughs> right. and, uh, and
1: that's that's the thing. Like if if the, if if Dobson's coming to Halifax, I don't think there's any way they can get it done without Barron going the other way. And do you really want to give up Justin Barron, who's going to be a top three pick in the NHL? No. No. So, to, to, to improve what? To go from... It, 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 like, I'm not saying Dobson's not incredible, but mm. you have Jeremy Kysak, Jake Rysak, Walter Flower, you know, Jockton Cheney, Justin Barron, Patrick Kite. Like... It's a pretty good top six. And what about
0: goaltending? Is what's his last Grevel? Grevel. See the real deal?
1: I think I. I don't know if he's a real deal. I think he's good enough to win. Do you? Um, I think Cole McLaren's very good too. So okay. I think they've got a pretty good one-two punch. Um, I. I don't think I don't think there's anybody worth going out and I don't think anybody you're going to get okay. is that big of an upgrade on Grevel. Okay. Just because the the sellers, the pool of sellers, is so small. Like, I was actually looking at uh, trying to figure it out, and the other day I was looking at the top 20 in scoring, and I think only one guy in the top 20 or 25 in the league scoring wasn't on one of the top four teams. Okay. Right? So
0: so it seems pretty even already. Slim then. pickings Everyone on has who's, their players.
1: who's bringing in. Yeah. And I think there, there'll be a couple teams that um, maybe, like, for example, Charlottetown um, realizes that they're not going to – push maybe they trade off a key piece late but i don't know so much could happen that's that's major junior hockey i'm
0: telling you man pei Matty welsh last year in the in the playoffs did very He, no, i think dead. he beat the Mooseheads out of the playoffs yeah, last year i think that pei could do well with him in and if a is, is it christmas break right now for in the queue yeah. yeah how long are they all how
1: long are they all uh, uh i think they start again like the 27th I think oh, I think so there's off. a little bit of a break. Yeah, so think...
0: Welsh, he could be home. Matt Welsh, could be home.
1: Yeah, they'd all be getting home today. Gregor McLeod, I know, was getting home. That's a guy you should try to get on here. McLeod? yeah, he plays for Drummondville. Okay. Um, also,
0: we're gonna get the coach of Drummondville on uh, Fox. Fox. He was gonna come on last month, but couldn't make it. Yeah, Falk's a good dude. Get Fox on.
1: Okay, good to know. Yeah,
0: but all those guys, the major junior, they're not coming home. Or the world championship, they're no, not. Coming the world home. junior guys, no, they're in BC yeah. now.
1: Yeah, they're they're there for the next month a little bit month or so yeah okay but yeah Gre- Gregor's Gregor's uh he's another exa- like him and Batherson were line mates in Bantam and they were both like, were they yeah they were like four foot five each and like they were just these oh, yeah. two little guys that were buzzing around and like you could tell that they were good but they were just so small and then um Gregor's another example man like he played on that team with uh, with us in Cole Harbor when we had Jared and we had a lot of Cusco, obviously coming to watch because of Jared and everybody would ask like, how's McIsaac been? And, and we had another kid, Sean Miller, who plays for Cape Breton, mm. uh, who he was a high, he was a high draft pick too. And, um, you know, how's Miller, how's McIsaac and, and like, you know, we're always like, man, yeah. Gregor McLeod, yeah. Gregor McLeod, like this kid. And, uh, he played another trip. It always comes back to freaking Troy Ryan. Um, <laughs> So Gregor Gregor ends up Troy he goes undrafted in the queue. Troy drafts him. Troy was with Campbellton at the time. Okay, drafted him in Campbellton, played him as a seventeen year old, and then he signed a free agent contract with Charlottetown After that, and he's got now he's a twenty with Drummondville, and he's like he's second on their team in scoring behind Valeno. So Jesus,
0: yeah. You don't have to answer this question, but you know, feel free. Like honestly, if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. But. When scouts talk to you, what are things that they're looking for in the players? Do they talk about the personality more than the player? Because back when I played and I talked to coaches, they used to say they really care about the individual, the heart, the person, who they are, more than the hockey player. Is that still kind of accurate? Yeah, no,
1: for sure. Because
0: um, I think that they're able to determine the hockey player exa- by watching. Ex- exactly,
1: and that that's the big thing. Like guys, it, Guys are going to think somebody's good at hockey or not good at hockey on their what they yeah, see
0: they're a scout they know right him. like
1: yeah. me too like if I'm going to scout a game I'm looking at nothing else other than this guy on the ice what's he doing mm-hmm. and and yeah the body language thing too do you right? watch them like
0: when they go to the bench after a bad
1: shift 100%, 100% 150% and I know that's one thing that guys are very interested in knowing about Um, you know they ask if somebody calls me they're asking about character you know, are they the first one on the ice, off the ice? Do they pick up after themselves? Would they hold the door open for,
2: for an elderly lady. lady? Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No,
1: seriously. Right. Like, um, would you um, would you let them date your daughter? Type, th- like, yeah. those are the kind of people they're looking for because they can they can tell if you can play or not, right? Yeah. But if if you're say you know at seven, they they've got you on their ranking scale at seven out of ten. And there's the guy beside you is an eight out of ten, but personality-wise, you're a ten, and the guy beside you is a two. Yeah. They're going to take you even though you're a seven on the on the ability scale, and you're a ten on the on mm-hmm. the character scale.
0: Because inside the dressing room is a huge another aspect of hockey that 100%. people just don't know. A 100%. cancer in the room is a real thing.
1: Right. Real Yo, thing. Hundred percent. And that and you know like, um, I had a. a, a coach call me a coach from a very very prestigious NCAA school uh called me last week and asked me about a kid and um you know I described him and and Gave him my two cents on what kind of person he is and everything, and, and those are the questions he was asking. Those are the questions he's asking. He's not asking, you know, how many, you know, how fast can he skate from one end to the yeah. other? <laughs> how many goals? How many assists? He, what like, are his beep did, test scores? Right? Did he get? Did he get that assist uh, on the second goal there or whatever? Yeah. Like those, he's asking me what kind of character he is because he knows he already knows what what they can do on the ice, yeah. right? And then, um, yeah. So th- those are th- easily easily ninety nine percent of the questions that coaches. Scouts, recruiters, agents, because uh, that's another big thing too. Uh, like I know we got into that before. I think the first time we were here is, is the agents and the family advisors. Like they're a very prominent part of the hockey world now, and and they're the they're asking the same questions too. Like they they don't want to because nobody wants to get that rep rep the of being the guy that casts out a big net and signs twenty kids and knows that maybe only one of them will work out, but it's just hoping it doesn't really give a shit about that kid. Mm. Right. And doesn't, doesn't care if they're a good kid or a bad kid or whatever. So, you know, a lot of agencies and, and advising companies will, you know, want to know what type of student they are, what type of kid they are, what kind of type of person they are. Um, this is great advice for any parent. Edge. Yeah.
0: That is listening right now and have kids coming up in the ranks. Yeah. It's very big advice. Because parenting skills, especially at that age of 14, 15, 16, coming up, you know, there's definitely a lot of outside hockey life that could tear you away from.
1: 100%. Like, if you don't think that, and this is more for the kids, if any kids are listening, like, if you don't think that, and I preach this to my guys all the time, and I know all of our staff, do, right, from ban them up through midget we have you know we bring police officers in to talk about do it we you? bring cool. uh, we brought we brought uh, psychiatrists from dal in to talk about different types of things and the effects it'll have and um you know if you don't think major junior teams or if you don't think if you want to come play for for me at Newbridge, and you reach out to me and you don't think that i'm going to do my due diligence on what type of person you are, like, you know, go look at your Instagram. Are, are you, do you have a bunch of pictures of you crushing beers when you're 14 years old? Like, you yeah. know, like people look at those things and, and people look at, you know, Snapchats and, and all that kind of stuff um, because it, it's so easy now to slip up and, it, and then it falls on that organization or that school or that team, yeah. right? And they don't want to bring you in if you're not going to. Yeah. And, you know, guys – Guys are gonna get burned on that because they don't, they don't, they don't care. Yeah. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, if if you want to keep that stuff on your Instagram and you that's the t- types of choices you want to make, fine. But don't come looking to, you know, make up for it later because. Yeah,
0: don't the, look to come to a first class organization
1: with when you're acting. Right. No matter how good you are. Yeah. No matter how good you are, and and I think for parents especially. Um, you know, because every year it creeps younger and younger of when kids start feeling the pressure. And you know, when I was, when you know, when we were playing Bantam, you know, I I didn't know, I didn't care anything about the Q or Junior A or the NHL or anything. Yeah. I had one goal. What was it? Make major midget. Yeah, like so that, like, <laughs> right? Like I I had one goal. Leave my major gear midget. at the dressing room. Right. Yeah. That that was it. Yeah. I wasn't thinking two years in advance, three years in advance. I was I was thinking, you know what? I got to get. I got to get signed by one of these one of these three teams. Yeah. And there we go. We'll figure out what's next after that. But now these kids are in freaking peewee and they and their parents are mapping out you know the plan. And, and and don't get me wrong, it's not a bad thing to have a plan. Like to to have a but don't set expectations too high and don't forget that it's about having fun and enjoying the game of hockey. Right? And
0: that's the biggest lesson right there. Just have fun with it. And I hate that Kids in Pee Wee are thinking about what major junior team they're gonna play right. for. I hate that, right? Because that's so, that's no fun. Pee Wee should be thinking about going to the Quebec tournament, representing the Mooseheads or something. Right. You know, winning provincials, winning provincials,
1: right? Like winning winning Central Minor play Like you know, like yeah. not don't treat every team you ever play on as a means to an end. Yeah, that's that's like yeah. In the grand scheme of things, that may be what it is, but you can't live in the moment. St- saying that uh oh, you know what I'm just playing with these guys for a year like I'll be on to better things next year because you that's what you're never going to get away from that attitude and you know it's some people uh, you know I get a lot of questions from people about this type of stuff um, people that trust me but then like some people that don't know me and that maybe they're with this other person when they're talking to me and then they're like don't you work at Newbridge like aren't you uh, and like not Newbridge isn't for every like you know yeah. like I'm not saying like everybody should be here every, yeah. like there's different well like you said at the beginning right? of the
0: podcast there's a different route for everyone right the so, destination is the same the NHL we all want to get there right. but it's a different route
1: and people people are kind of like taken aback a little bit when I'm I'm not saying like you should be doing this all the time or doing that all the time because they're like oh don't you do hockey twenty four seven no mm. three six no like my, our guys we do we do off season sports. Like, you know, we've got a lot of guys at golf and play baseball and play. Soccer. like I'm all about multi-sport athletes, Same. right? Like I, I've, I've always been a multi-sport athlete. I still am. I play ball in the summers and, and, and hockey in the winters. Like, that was a know? great day,
0: like, by the way, when I came out and watched you guys play, that was yeah, so much yeah. fun. There was no bugs. It was hot. Yeah. It was a great day. The old nationals. Yeah. 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 But no, that was,
1: it's very well said. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I, I would encourage parents and, and players to ask as many people as you can that you trust in the hockey world. like you know i've i had a call i had probably a 2 hour phone conversation with a guy this summer who's very much in the hockey world and has always been in the hockey world was a great player is still a coach but he's you know he's got a kid that's going through this whole process and he's one of these kids that is probably talent wise a major junior player size wise maybe not Mm. right so can he play college maybe but not sure if he's going to get a commitment till later so he's kind of dealing with the you know mid-round Q draft pick and Mm. you know and we had a conversation about what what the steps should do like what should i do when i go to camp like should we talk to the gm about it right away should we you know like and i think that's a big thing too like be up front with whatever organization it is whether it's you know you're a kid that has maybe you're a kid that's been offered a spot by, Cole Harbour and Halifax, and you've also been offered a spot by, Rossay and yeah. Newbridge, yeah. and now you've got, four different options, um, yeah. in front of you. Like you know,
0: and that's tough for a kid to talk to grown men about that. Like 100%. you said, like I remember a couple of my buddies been, you know, they wanted to leave a team and go somewhere else. It's tough for. Even if you're 20, 22, 23, you're still a young young man yeah. walking into a grown man's uh, office and saying, "Listen, I don't want to play here anymore. I'm sorry." It's a
1: tough thing. Yeah. 100%. And even in a
0: training camp where you don't really know the guy,
1: 100%. I yeah. But
0: that's that's part that's the beautiful thing about sports is that it makes you grow up and become a man and, and that, be responsible for the decisions you make. Yeah. It's kind of
1: cool. That, and that's one of the biggest regrets I have is that I didn't talk to enough people about yeah. well, shit like people. this right about shit like this i yeah. did I, I just didn't i yeah. just tried to deal with it all myself and um you know made a decision that probably wasn't the best one and that yeah. was it
0: well you're the position that you're in now is great because you've learned from your mispa- mistakes excuse me and now you can help other people
1: that's that's what
0: i try to do love it all sure. right matt we got to wrap it up thank Absolutely. you very much for coming on Yeah, man. do you want to give a shout out to anyone the last minute's yours huh, family geez. friends teammates coaches uh, players
1: yeah, all the boys will probably listen to this. So the Newbridge guys, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, yeah, everybody, to you, CKG. Maybe you <laughs> no, came out, no ca- CKG. Came out, of, came out of retirement this year, so not a big deal riding a little winning streak. So uh, I thought I got a conky there against you guys a couple weeks ago. Yeah, are you all
0: right? Ooh. What happened? I heard, was it your knee? No, thought-
1: it was my head. I just, like the puck, the puck went up in the air and... Um, like, I just kind of, like, turned for it, and Manny was turning the opposite way, and we both just turned for the puck, and he's just so tall that my head kind of, like, ran into his shoulder, and I just... Oh. And I just went down. Like, it wasn't on... Per- it was it was a complete... Was a complete accident. Yeah. It was just, we... The puck, we yeah. both turned the opposite way. I thought and, it was, like, your wrist or something. No. I
0: didn't see it. I was drinking water. Oh. I thought you,
1: oh. I was down, and I was, like, seeing stairs there for a little bit, and I was like, oh, shit. That's but, the worst. No, but it... it uh, you all right? Yeah, it turned out all right. It turned out all right. I thought, he was, I thought I was on the IR, but...
0: That's hockey.
1: That's hockey, yeah. Don
0: Cherry would love you. Yeah, yeah. Just it up.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay on the trolley tracks.
0: <laughs> all right. All right, buddy. Everyone, thanks for coming out. Uh, thank you for listening. If you can go to all of our social media outlets, like, subscribe, comment, Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, all that good stuff. Once again, thank you very much. We're out. Peace.
2: If you catch me at the border, I got visas in my neck If you come around, here, I'll make a more day I get one down in a second if you wait I fly like paper, get high like planes If you catch me at the border, I got visas in my neck If you come around, here, I'll make a more day I get one down in a second if you wait Sometimes I think sitting on trains Every step I get